Well, well, well. You didn't think that Buddy Murphy could be a main eventer? Well, I guess I'm about to prove you wrong. Put my money where my mouth is. Cause it's high noon after all. You could have been so much more in the tag team division in NXT. You could have been so much more in the cruiserweight division. Hell, even in his time with the Monday Night Messiah, they didn't do much with him. Honestly, I think he just deserves more. Quite frankly, they should have changed his name from Buddy Murphy to Main Event Murphy. Trigger happy already, huh? Well, when the next pistol cocks, we draw, plain and simple. Though I will warn you, miss that shot, and I'll leave you buried deeper than Paul Bearer in cement. Well, looks like it's time for me to book Buddy Murphy on the main roster. What was that? Buddy Murphy's been released? Son of a... Damn, damn it! I shot a bullet right into the TNT. Oh, maybe he's gonna end up there or something. <sighs> Murphy's Law. of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. We'll be discussing, is he a friend or is he a buddy? It's Buddy Murphy! One of my thoughts on his recent WWE release, should he or should he have not been a world champion? And where on earth will he go next? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, the podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and yes... I did plan someone else for this week, but plans changed because releases happened. Oh no! <laughs> there was a lot of shocking releases this week. If you're a wrestling fan, you already know what happened. Braun Strowman got released, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Santana Garrett, Lana, and the one that just made me feel so sad the most, my, my boy, Buddy Murphy. A wrestler who I have a weird connection with because... He is technically the very first wrestler that I ever fantasy booked. And it's it's very apropos that technically the 50th episode of this podcast is on Buddy Murphy, who I think could have been so much more in WWE, especially with some of the, I guess, unique elements that could have been a character trait in his that they never really explored. He's one of those guys who continually had opportunities just by crumbs and made the most of them. The Monday Night Messiah, the Cruiserweight Division stuff, his NXT run. This guy had so much, like, very slim opportunities to make the most of it, and he killed every single one. And then he just kind of got put off TV and I felt very sad. And I think people could have done better with him. And I'm being biased. But I believe in Buddy Murphy. I believe that from this point, by the end of this podcast, I can make all of you believe that Buddy Murphy's name should have been changed to main event goddamn Murphy. And I'm going to prove to you it can work. But before we do that, a couple prerequisites for this episode. We're going to be mixing it up a little bit. So, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know recently I changed my format to include 
just free storyline pitches for this week. However, for this one, because it is such a recent release, we're, we're doing this slightly differently. I'm going to be rebooking one storyline from Buddy Murphy's past and pitching one that I, I just can hope happens in the future. And I think that would be a very cool format to do. I don't really know how else to explain this. So, with that in mind, I think we're also going to mix it up a little bit more. Usually I like to start with a little segment that we'll talk about later. So... Let's explain Buddy Murphy's WWE run in about four minutes, shall we? Let's get into this. So, signed in 2013, Matt Silver, now christened Buddy Murphy, was placed into NXT for developmental reasons. Through this time, he initially started as a, I would like to dub local enhancement talent, before he eventually formed a tag team partnership with Wesley Blake. They became Dubstep Cowboys. I'm sorry, his actual tag team name, Blake and Murphy. They were originally your jobbers to the stars, people who would essentially lose constantly until finally they had one lucky match with the Lucha Dragons in which they captured the NXT Tag Team titles. They would, in the process of this, turn heel and become pretty much just your cocky tag team heels, eventually aligning themselves with Alexa Bliss and becoming a formidable force in the tag team division, defending against the likes of Enzo Amore and Big Kaz, the Vord villains and others until they eventually dropped the titles to the Vord villains at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Over time, this would lead to dissension between the team, forcing Alexa Bliss to split from the group, and in turn, the Blake and Murphy factor itself. During this time, Buddy Murphy would flounder on the NXT main card, often losing to people like Shinsuke Nakamura, having matches with Wesley Blake, and even having a one-off match against Kota Ibushi. It's a real hidden gem on the WWE Network, which I recommend that you go check out. Anyways, moving on. He would eventually find himself on 205 Live, where he would compete in the Cruiserweight title tournament. The Cruiserweight title tournament in which he was pitched at a storyline where he would have to constantly test himself to see if he could make weight. This led to him eventually losing into the semi-finals to Mustafa Ali, who would go on to the finals to face Cedric Alexander. Over the course of several months, Buddy Murphy would rack up wins until eventually he got a shot at the Cruiserweight Championship at WWE's big Australian show, Super Showdown, in which he would successfully win the belt. He would go on to hold the Cruiserweight title for several months until he dropped the title to Tony Nese. During this period, he would be officially called up to SmackDown's main roster, where... Honestly, they didn't really do much with him. He inadvertently got put into a storyline with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan by accidentally being in the background of the shot. <laughs> this would eventually lead him to get a couple lucky wins against Daniel Bryan and be featured against matches with Roman Reigns, but not much would really happen until he eventually got moved to Raw. During this time, he had several matches against the likes of Matt Hardy and others, building up to a series of matches with Aleister Black in which he would continually lose and lose again until the frustration poured over to him aligning with the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. This would eventually lead to him eventually winning the tag team titles with him and holding it for several months until they dropped it to the Street Profits on the last week of fans being in attendance. Over the course of several months, he would aid Seth Rollins at a chance at the WWE Championship and various other escapades until a feud with Rey Mysterio. Things got more complicated when Rey Mysterio's daughter, Aaliyah, got put into the storyline, eventually leading to a love angle between the two, forcing Buddy Murphy and Aaliyah Mysterio to choose between their family or their Monday Night Messiah. This would continue all the way on to SmackDown, where eventually Murphy would align himself with the Mysterios and in turn successfully beat Seth Rollins and then not be on TV for several months. Yeah. That's kind of how Murphy's career went in about four minutes. I, I probably cut out a couple more important things. I know I probably missed the last part where 
he kind of returned, and it didn't really make sense why all of a sudden he was a heel aligning with Rollins again, all, all this other thing. He tried his best. But as you could tell by that brief summary, there's so much more that Buddy Murphy could have done. And we're going to get straight into this and kind of my whole process on how we can make Buddy Murphy awesome, both in the past and in the present going forwards with a magical segment I like to call the tagline which is basically my process explaining what I'm going to do with the wrestler of the week, including a 30-word summary of what I plan to do with the character. And think of it like your pretty much summary that you see on Netflix or on Crunchyroll, because I'm going to keep mentioning it until it actually happens. WWE has a deal with Crunchyroll. Let that sink in. They have a deal with Crunchyroll. I don't know why, it doesn't make sense, but we're going to go over what the heck we're going to do this week. So, without further ado, I think it's time that I ask the editor of this podcast to cue the music, future me! So one of the main things that I think is forgotten about Buddy Murphy is the insane physical transformation this guy went through. Like, if you look back to his NXT run when he was tag team champions with Blake and Murphy, and you see the shape he got into when he went to be a part of 205 Live, it is... Ah! It's insane! And I know there are people like Braun Strowman who got into incredible shape, but goddamn, Buddy Murphy got into it first! Jesus! Like, he had this whole thing where he was a 205 guy who didn't look 205! Why, why wasn't this used more? It's like such a big... Bah! It's so weirdly neat! And also like a really cool storyline potential! Because that could have been the bridge that you could have had for 205 Live to integrate with the main roster. Don't treat them as a separate division, but integrate them with the rest of the stars. That was the big issue with 205 Live when it first started, was that it didn't feel like it integrated with the rest of the show. It felt like its own separate division, which didn't really make sense because you had guys like Rey Mysterio wrestling on your main roster who could have easily been on that show. Hell, Daniel Bryan would have been a great one. So one of the main things that I think is universal is emphasizing Buddy Murphy as a character's hard work and kind of feeling like he is continually underrated. He had a nickname called the best kept secret, which isn't just a long way of saying that you're underrated, it's kind of a big thing. And for me, the biggest summary of Buddy Murphy is a character who's always had a chip on his shoulder. It's the reason that he joined Seth Rollins. It's the reason that he went to 205 Live. And it's kind of the reason why he turned heel in the first place with Wesley Blake to win the tag titles. So, my tagline for this week for Buddy Murphy is Expected to achieve nothing in the world of wrestling, an ambitious Australian undergoes a physical transformation that alters his career from undesirable to undeniable. Yes, I stole a phrase from Cody Rhodes, but I think it really does emphasize Buddy Murphy's career in WWE and even his future career on the indies quite well. He's a guy who was given crumbs and made it a cake. <laughs> like, there are many things that should have made him not distinguishable from the other. His tag team with Blake and Murphy, there was a whole thing that they looked incredibly similar. His run in 205 Live, constantly put after SmackDown. And his stuff with Seth Rollins when he finally got a run, they dropped it almost immediately after the storyline concluded. He only really had a couple matches with Baron Corbin, then interfered with Cesaro, then he was released. And for me, that is a big crime. Especially when he could have been someone who could have main evented shows, could have, you know, changed the wrestling landscape in WWE to an extent. To an extent, he could have challenged a movement. 
specifically a yes movement. Why yes, 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 you heard me correctly. I said Daniel goddamn Bryan. Cause one, they had really good matches on SmackDown and two, I loved Captain Planet Daniel Bryan. I loved the eco gimmick where he had a cow named Bessie and he threw it in the trash and made his own bell. I loved that Daniel Bryan. And it didn't feel the same when he lost the WWE Championship. And I love Kofi Kingston winning it. And I kind of wish with it that Kofi Kingston didn't lose it to Brock Lesnar. But that's beside the bye. I'll explain it more as we get into the storyline. So, prerequisites here. Uh, slight change and deviation to make this storyline work. Uh, yeah, in this storyline, Buddy Murphy retains the Cruiserweight title. Because who really cared about Tony Nese's run? Be, be real with me. Is there anyone who remembers the Cruiserweight title run for Tony Nese? Anyone? No? I can't hear you because you're all members of the podcast stuff. So yes, I'm going to assume no, because I didn't. So, in this storyline, we begin the night after WrestleMania on SmackDown Live. Kofi Kingston is your new WWE Champion. Daniel Bryan has just lost the belt. And Buddy Murphy has successfully retained the t- Cruiserweight title from Tony Nese. And during this show, we are getting a number one contenders match. It is Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens, because this is right before when Kevin Owens turned heel on Kofi Kingston when Big E got injured. So, during this period of time, the commentators are talking about who's going to win this match. This is truly the most prestigious prize in all the WWE Universe. All of that stuff. And, oh, it's a wily crowd. We're in Bizarro World. And out comes, in the middle of this, you you hear the, like, microphone creases, someone just, like, rushing to commentary. It's Buddy Murphy. And he, he begins talking during this whole commentary bit, saying, ignored again. You love doing this, don't you? The commentators don't really understand what Buddy Murphy is trying to say, and he's quickly pulled away by security, because... He's not meant to be here right now. Why on earth would he? So they start to like pull him away because he's not meant to be there. And as this happens, he inadvertently grabs a microphone from around ringside. And he he basically shouts saying, you want a real world champion? You want a real world champion? You're in the, you're looking at the wrong division. And... During this period, Murphy is forced out of the building. We don't hear much from him, but he's saying that he is the real world champion. We head to next week where Buddy Murphy is given the opportunity before 205 Live to explain his actions on SmackDown Live. He comes out holding up the Cruiserweight title. The commentators put over the events of last week talking about how he just just invaded SmackDown to parade his championship. Isn't that meant to be a 205 Live exclusive thing? Buddy Murphy comes out and he asks the audience if if anyone knows who he is. And of course, if you guys were watching 205 Live at this point, it, it was an absolute shame that they lacked any sort of like crowd reaction. And during this, he just simply responds, of course you don't. Week after week, I kill myself with this company, without even batting an eye. The Juggernaut is haunted by a death spot. You think that will stop me? I have beaten everyone in my division. A division of the finest athletes in this company. Athletes that are continue to be not recognized because they are under 205. 205 has more weight to it than this entire show. So that's why I'm here. Every week, I will defend the real world championship again and again. Until this belt isn't known as just the Cruiserweight Championship. It is known as the Cruiserweight Championship of 
the world. From this point, Buddy Murphy is now a person across two brands, 205 Live and SmackDown. He is your traveling champion. Week to week, he has these cruiserweight title matches on SmackDown. Think of it like your opener for SmackDown every week from this point. Buddy Murphy essentially has pretty much a lot of the fantastic matches that he had on 205 Live that very rarely people saw, like matches against Akira Tozawa, Tony Nese, Mustafa Ali, and eventually it all builds to him getting a pay-per-view match against Rey Mysterio in a special marquee match. And at the same time, Daniel Bryan is challenging once again for the WWE Championship against Kofi Kingston. During this period, Buddy Murphy beats Rey Mysterio. And in a fate that was likely going to happen several years later in real life, the Mysterio acknowledges Buddy Murphy as a true cruiserweight champion. During this time, of course, as well, adding on to this, Buddy Murphy is continually having to weigh in week in, week out to make sure that he makes weight to defend the Cruiserweight Championship. More on that later. But during this period, he's continually having weigh-ins in which he's being checked by the general manager of 205 Live at the time, Drake Maverick, who is continually just kind of patronizing Buddy Murphy because he doesn't believe that he's 205. And whilst this is noble, it's not going to last forever. As this happens, Daniel Bryan successfully wins the WWE title from Kofi Kingston. Now I know this is going to upset people, but if you have Kofi hold it for like a couple months, I think that's a great run for Kofi. Like, I think the issue with Kofi Kingston's run at the time was that it was arguably considered too long and... The ending of it was very lackluster. If it's a fun, competitive match, I don't think people would have a problem with it. I could be wrong. If you disagree, feel free to emphasize it. But for the sake of the story, Kofi Kingston loses the title at a big pay-per-view. As this happens, basically, that happens because of Kevin Owens. The whole real-life situation with Big E, you know, being injured and Kevin Owens being the fill-in for the New Day. You keep that there. And from this point on, Daniel Bryan forms this new faction. He started out with Eric Rowan, who was still his ally at the time. And he aligns with the late and great Luke Harper, dubbing himself and those, those that he's aligned with the Eco-Warriors. People set to change the minds of all of these fickle fans with the power of the WWE Championship. Brian cuts a promo on SmackDown after successfully winning the WWE Championship, saying that he is the real world champion. He is the planet's champion. And out of just complete frustration, Buddy Murphy comes out, you know, defending the title week after week, when Daniel Bryan immediately winning the title isn't really defending it or even going to be on the show. He comes out going head-to-head, nose-to-nose with Daniel Bryan holding up the Cruiserweight Championship. And during this, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper stand in front of him. Buddy Murphy still doesn't back down. He holds the belt up and he just says, I'll fight every single one of you. And, you know, the odds are just too much for Buddy Murphy. Eric Rowan and Luke Harper hit him with a big boot and several slams. He's getting assaulted by... These large men who, by many people's circumstances, seeing the perception of 205 Live, outclass him. The beating continues until the new day, yes it is, come back and save, save Buddy Murphy. I almost forgot his name. He, they save Buddy Murphy. They end up just having a little stare down with Daniel Bryan. And it is set for the next pay-per-view, Money in the Bank. It is the Eco Warriors versus the New Day's Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston and Buddy Murphy in a match that will be decided next week between Buddy Murphy and Luke Harper. The winner picks the stipulation. Now, during this period, this is one of the first times that Buddy Murphy's not defending the Cruiserweight title. He is having a match with someone who 
by many people's circumstances, he should not be facing. He is close to, you know, 6'9", 6'6". Six, six, six. I don't know Luke Harper's height, but it's a lot larger than Buddy Murphy by all circumstances. And the commentators put over how Buddy Murphy is clearly the underdog in this match, despite being a resilient champion. You've got, you got to imagine after defending the titles week to week, he's completely exhausted. There's no way he could be a guy like Luke Harper with the new alliance of the eco-warriors. And in this, they really emphasize this. Buddy Murphy just being completely exhausted, having to continually make weight cuts week after week just so that he can still hold the title of cruiserweight champion. He continues to fight off Luke Harper, struggling to defeat him until eventually he gets a lucky shot with a knee, kitting Luke Harper in the chin and eventually leading to Murphy's Law to get the 1-2-3 with the help of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods isolating the eco-warriors. Buddy Murphy pins Luke Harper and he gets to pick the stipulation, which happens in the ring. He talks about how, hey, New Day, what do you think we should do, huh? What do you think they would hate the most? And of course, the New Day at this point, they ask, who, 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 who? And the easy answer is that it's going to be an extreme, not extreme rules, money in the bank. It is the Eco Warriors versus the New Day and Buddy Murphy in a tables match. Because why on earth would this environmentally friendly faction not hate a tables match when they completely got rid of the WWE Championship so they could bring back an environmental bell? They are seething with anger at the thought that they have to use tables made by precious resources and trees just to beat these these fickle people we get to the pre-show of money in the bank and the new day they are asking for a strategy to you know try and figure out how are they going to beat these eco warriors they're trying to talk to buddy murphy for a strategy and buddy murphy's just ignoring him He's kind of being super silent, deadpan, and they're trying to pitch stuff to him, but he's just focused on getting on the scale and weighing himself in so that he can still be cruiserweight champion. So he weighs in. They're trying to, like, get something figured out, like, oh, maybe you could do this and wear matching gear. Buddy Murphy doesn't do anything with it. He just stands there, gets the weight, gets the weigh in, sorts it out, walks away. The New Day look on confused, and then Kofi just says, oh, we just got to kick their butts then. It's like, yeah, that works. And so we have the tables match. And in this, we once again emphasize that Buddy Murphy is exhausted. The weight cuts, the continued matches from week to week, taking on bigger, more heavier competitors. It's something that he isn't used to being the cruiserweight champion. And in this sort of chaotic match, Buddy Murphy tweaks his knee. He tweaks his leg that has been some of the main force and use of his offense. And a whole schmoz ensues. Kevin Owens attacks Kofi Kingston, getting rid of him. Luke Harper and Eric Rowan quickly dispose of Xavier Woods. And Daniel Bryan puts Buddy Murphy through a table. The eco-warriors win. And at the end of it, the most important visual from this show is that Daniel Bryan holds up the WWE Championship and the Cruiserweight title. Because... Daniel Bryan is undoubtedly a cruiserweight competitor. The same as Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander, who got called up to the main roster, who, by the way, it's important to mention this for the story, Mustafa Ali wins the money in the bank in this point because I'm still annoyed that freaking Brock Lesnar came in out of nowhere in a stupid reason to win the money in the bank briefcase. He wasn't even in the match. Why? Anyways, that, that's a thing. We're, we're going to forget about that as we move on. Buddy Murphy, by hook or by crook, finds himself as the number one contender for the WWE Championship after beating Luke Harper and Eric Rowan in a handicap match. Thanks to the help of The New Day and 205 Live General Manager Drake Maverick, who started to have, you know, a little bit of belief in Buddy Murphy after he's consistently beaten these heavyweight competitors. He talks to Buddy Murphy in the back saying that, you know, I doubted you a couple months ago because 
I'll be honest, I didn't think you were going to last in this division. You continually weighed in, in and out and in and out. And I thought, there was no way you're going to hold the belt for this long. Not, not week after week defending the championship, having to weigh in consistently. But you proved me wrong, buddy. And because of that, I'm giving you permission to have this match with Daniel Bryan. I want you to make the Cruiserweight Championship the most important championship in WWE. And so, the story of this heading into SummerSlam, it's Buddy Murphy versus Daniel Bryan. Buddy Murphy isn't looking just to win the WWE Championship. He wants the Cruiserweight title to be recognized as the World Championship of WWE against Daniel Bryan, who is just looking for more belts and more power to push his eco-friendly agenda. Daniel Bryan cuts these promos saying that if he wins the Cruiserweight title at SummerSlam in this winner-take-all match, he is going to make 205 Live a eco-friendly house. He's going to make an eco-division. Because these savages who continue to fly using their flyer miles to get to the WWE Performance Center to go back to 205 Live and continue to waste the time with people and the carbon emissions used in these titantrons and fireworks so that us performers can stay here just a bit longer. They are, they are the criminals of the WWE and I refuse to stand for this. I refuse to stand for people like Buddy Murphy who are nothing more than B-plus players. We eventually get to a contract signing between Daniel Bryan and Buddy Murphy. Once again, kind of going over the things that we've already talked about. Buddy Murphy just wanting to prove that he deserves to be recognized as a world champion. And once again, he believes that by winning the WWE title, this is the only way to do it. Daniel Bryan saying that he is the real world champion. Just champion versus champion. You love those stories. And... The segment ends with them both signing the contract and Buddy Murphy saying that he will prove that being 205 is the best way in all of wrestling. And Daniel Bryan simply ends the segment saying, Are you 205? And he walks away. From this point, we get almost WWE 24 style video packages of Daniel Bryan and Buddy Murphy training for this big match at SummerSlam because every Cruiserweight title match up to this point has had a weigh-in for Buddy Murphy. The stakes could not be higher. He essentially, as the whole story of his career has been in 205 Live, he, he transformed his body because he believed he could dominate the Cruiserweight division. He risked changing his entire moveset and style and physical appearance so that he could be recognized by the entire WWE universe. And we get the documentary kind of emphasizing from various cruiserweight wrestlers at the time, saying that he has been struggling to cut weight recently because of the weight of the world on his shoulders. We see these actuality footages of Buddy Murphy kind of Essentially, if you guys have seen shows like Hajime no Ippo, or you've just seen those like UFC videos where they're constantly trying to cut weight and it looks like almost grotesque. He's vomiting in toilets. He's, he's preventing himself from sweating or gaining more water by drinking it. He's doing everything in his power to make sure that at SummerSlam, he is able to compete against Daniel Bryan. And if worst case scenario happens... Someone else will have to replace him. And so we finally get to SummerSlam, the biggest night of Buddy Murphy's career. Daniel Bryan, likewise, it's also the biggest match of his career as a heel wrestler. They go in for an early segment on the SummerSlam's main card, which is a weigh-in. Daniel Bryan weighs in first. He is 203. He's fine. He's good. Buddy Murphy weighs in. He's 210. He does not make the way in. Thus, Buddy Murphy is stripped of the Cruiserweight Championship. And he's no longer able to compete against Daniel Bryan. He fails the way you see how crushed Buddy Murphy is. 
seeing that he's worked so hard just to lose that weight and try and keep the weight off just a little bit longer, only to fail at the last minute. And to add insult to injury, Daniel Bryan attacks Buddy Murphy from behind, locking in the heel hook and just essentially injuring Buddy Murphy's leg, forcing Mustafa Ali, the money in the bank holder, to step in to face Daniel Bryan in this champion versus championship match because he is the closest one who could probably do it. And in this, Daniel Bryan wins the WWE Championship and the Cruiserweight title, essentially doing what he did to Buddy Murphy, but worse at SummerSlam, injuring Mustafa Ali's leg, just emphasizing it, just smashing it with belts, smashing it with steel steps, using the Eco Warriors to essentially just injure Mustafa Ali from the edge of his life so that he could never cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase on Daniel Bryan. Several months passed, and 205 Live is unrecognizable. The eco-division that Daniel Bryan promised has become a reality. 205 Live looks almost unrecognizable. The big titantrons, gone. The big stands across the arenas, gone. They're essentially just these carpets and mats where people just sit and watch. You can still have a decent amount of people, but they're all just sitting down on these carpets. The... The ring is essentially just a bunch of ring posts, ropes, and then just a small crash mat. At this point, Buddy Murphy returns from injury. Essentially just cunning a promo saying that I'm back physically, but not mentally. When I started in WWE, I was meant to be nothing. Many described me as a B-plus player. Nobody was willing to take a chance on me until I came here or whatever is left here. And I, I let you all down. I tried so hard. There were times where I would collapse in training, risk my health, risk my livelihood because I believe that the best wrestling in the world existed under 205. So if people want to hate me for what happened, go on. I know that I... And as that happens, Mustafa Ali's music hits. He comes out wearing crutches with a cast on his foot with the Money in the Bank briefcase in his hand. He essentially enters the ring. He says that he's going to be out for over a year, proclaiming that he isn't going to have the chance to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Ali looks to Murphy, he he starts talking about the wars they went through in 205 Live, almost like a nostalgic trip back to the hardcore matches that they had, and the tournament match that they had where Murphy first debuted and how they tore the house down, and that was the match that made Mustafa Ali, Mustafa Ali. And so, during this point, he he hands the briefcase to Buddy Murphy, saying that, if I can't use this briefcase, I need someone who can really carry 205 Live. And that's you, Murphy. Ali goes on to talk about how he was the soul of 205 Live, Cedric Alexander was the heart, but Murphy was the spirit of 205 Live. Whilst everyone le else left for grander pastures, he stuck around. He refused to let the numbers get to him or his success. If there was anyone who could save 205 Live from this eco-division, it was Buddy Murphy. And so, they hug in the middle of the ring. Murphy near the point of tears, having sacrificed so much just to get one more opportunity. And it's set at Survivor Series, it's Buddy Murphy versus Daniel Bryan for both titles once again. Buddy Murphy successfully makes the way in by hook or by crook, despite Daniel Bryan's efforts to make sure that he didn't. And thus, we have this match, Daniel Bryan continually targeting Buddy Murphy's leg, making it so Buddy Murphy can't hit the knee, Daniel Buddy Murphy hitting knees to Daniel Bryan's neck because of the history of bad neck issues, and... 
It gets to a point where the eco warriors look like they're about to interfere, but the entire 205 Live rules to come and stop the eco warriors rallying behind Murphy. It's almost looking like a lumberjack match of the entire 205 Live roster rallying behind Murphy, punching down on the floor just so that he could get a shot and win this match. And it's through the help of 205 Live, you see all of this happening where Daniel Bryan goes for the running knee. Murphy counters with a knee of his own to hit Murphy's Law. One, two, three. Buddy Murphy solidifies himself as the WWE Champion and more importantly, the Cruiserweight Champion of the world. Oh my god. <laughs> that might be the longest long-term story that I've ever came up with this. And we still got one more. This was only the rebooking section. But we've got one more there, and I think this does a really good job at emphasizing kind of a more babyface side of Buddy Murphy that we never really got. Like, he was always constantly a heel, which I felt was an absolute shame considering how I think the main strength of Buddy Murphy was his wrestling ability. And I know I gave him a lot of promo stuff, but I feel like that's the only way you're really going to get his character over with a crowd. For a casual WWE audience, a promo is just as important as the wrestling itself. And I think emphasizing the human aspects of Buddy Murphy through this documentary-style footage of him struggling to cut weight, having to continually face challenges that nearly every other champion gets away with. And I think adding in Mustafa Ali as being the one that eventually pushes Murphy to win the title, I think is a very nice touch. Uh, Daniel Bryan being featured in this dastardly heel role, having this big faction. I I think it has a very interesting thing that really makes 205 Live seem more important than it actually was for the time. And if only that happened, <laughs> I wish. This has been a story that I've had for years that I wish could have been a thing for Buddy Murphy. But reality is, it didn't happen. So... Let's pitch one final storyline. A storyline for basically Buddy Murphy's future as Matt Silver. Or whatever name he comes up with. But we're going to keep it as Matt Silver. And let's just say that Buddy Murphy is going to prove to the world that he is a best bout machine. <laughs> Kenny Omega! Yay! Kenny Omega! Yay! So in case you don't know, Kenny Omega is one of my favorite wrestlers. And I, 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 I'm, I'm holding back on making an episode for him because I'm afraid of not doing it justice. So, yeah, we get to talk about Kenny Omega for this. So, yes. Kenny Omega is like, I think one of the main things that you said was that one of the main people that you wanted to face from WWE was Buddy Murphy and Buddy Murphy vice versa and you could see in like the movesets that they use are very similar with their use of knee strikes and I I kind of want Buddy Murphy in AEW I'm not gonna lie I think if he has been released well he has been released I feel like that would be a really cool place for him to go because I think the whole best kept secret gimmick could be carried over to AEW and used incredibly well and I think if you put him in a match with Kenny Omega who's wanted to have a match with Buddy Murphy for ages he's gonna put Buddy Murphy over to an extent and this is how I think he could do it so this all happens at post all out we're talking about a period where Kenny Omega has successfully defended the title against Insert name here. I'm going to say Orange Cassidy for right now. And on the same show, Kazarian has taken out a member of the elite, Doc Gallows in this case. And during this, Kaz quickly rushes to a microphone where he states that, Kenny, Don, are you watching this? I know you're watching, though I get the feeling that you're not taking me serious, are you? You see, I know that I'm not in my prime anymore. I know that I can't take you on alone. I've spent so much time with fallen angels that 
I've forgotten what it's like to be someone's devil. Next week, Kenny, I'll show you hell. I'll show you an executioner. And so next week, it's pretty much just Kenny Omega celebrating the fact that he retained his AEW World title, the Young Bucks are still tag team champions, and during the show, we're having a continuous story of who is Kaz's mysterious ally that he supposedly has. The Good Brothers try to find out, but they are discreetly taken out by a mysterious attacker. Ooh. And Kenny Omega is furious about this because we're all meant to be celebrating together. We're the super elite. And during this period, he he basically states that I am the best wrestler in the world. You know, I bet even Stanford would fall at my feet. So, Kaz, come on out here. Whatever this execution thing is, it it's not real. We've, we've already executed your entire career. Look, your tag team partner doesn't wrestle anymore. And Kaz walks out. The Bucks talk about how, you know, we already ended Christopher Daniels' career. Do you, do you want it? Do you want to end up in the same fate, huh? Don Callis orders them as the invisible hand to go, go get rid of Kazarian, the evil man. Kenny looks on just as Kaz kind of, he starts to smile because, well, the Young Bucks are out of the ring and it's just Kenny Omega and Don Callis. And Kenny Omega looks on confused like, why, why are you smiling? Why Why are you smiling, you stupid? And as that happens, the camera just quickly pans as someone rushes into the ring and knee strikes Kenny Omega from the back of the head, almost V-Trigger-esque as Tony Schiavone coins it. And Don Callis looks on like, who the hell are you? It's this masked man in this very ambiguous outfit. And the Young Bucks are looking on, just frustrating and fused. Their attention's turned away from Kazarian. And he unveils himself to be nobody else but Buddy Murphy, now known as his old independent name, Matt Silver. The Bucks try and chase after Matt Silver, who gets, you know, a bunch of knee strikes onto them. Kazarian also helps out with the save, hitting them with a steel chair. And they run off straight to the Dynamite stage, where... Kazarian says, Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you my friend and the Elite Hunter's newest acquisition, the newest Elite Hunter, the Executioner, Matt Silver. And Dynamite goes off the air. Next week, we get an interview with Matt Silver with Tony Schiavone. Matt Silver, aka Buddy Murphy, comes in decked out in this denim jacket with patches across it, specifically two X's as a reference to the Good Brothers being taken out by the Elite Hunters. You see, sort of, the back of his jacket is this almost play on the Elite logo where it's almost been beheaded and says the words Executioner on the back. And basically, Matt Silver cuts this promo saying how he always wanted to come here. He he always wanted to meet a guy like Kenny Omega. Him and Kota Ibushi inspired the style that he has today. He emphasizes that I've waited to fight New Japan Kenny Omega. Not whatever this is. I... I know you did too. But now that I'm here, you just want to run away, Kenny? Well, then run away all you want. An invisible hand can't save you forever, Kenny. I've been a secret in this industry for too long, and now I'm now free to decapitate anyone you throw in my way. Hook or by crook, the whole world is going to watch as an angel finally loses its wings. And thus Buddy Murphy walks out of the interview, basically now along with Kazarian, hunting down members of the Elite. The week after that, we get Buddy Murphy's debut. He faces off against Brandon Cutler in his weird Adidas tracksuit and broken nose attire. Very simple in this match. From the opening bell, 
basically, Kazarian's at ringside stopping anyone from the elite essentially trying to come out and help Brandon Cutler, which, spoilers, they don't. And immediately, yeah, Buddy Murphy comes out hitting a knee strike straight to Brandon Cutler and his nose protection, in which he immediately starts bleeding. You see Kenny Omega looking on from the back. And Buddy Murphy just says, Hey, Kenny, are you watching? And he holds up Brandon Cutler's arms. And he hits the Kamagoye knee strike. Kota Ibushi's finishing move almost as a mockery to Kenny Omega. One, two, three. Buddy Murphy pins Brandon Cutler in almost like a very short match. He basically takes the cold spray that Brandon Cutler has and starts spraying it over the ring canvas saying free X. They've taken out free people. There's three more left. Kenny Omega at this point, he doesn't really care because it's Brandon Cutler. He, he's the young boy. What, what threat does this former WWE guy have? Like, he couldn't even threaten a messiah who was nothing compared to a god of pro wrestling. Next week, Brandon Cutler takes on another member of the elite. He takes on Michael Nakazawa. Buddy Murphy once again wins decisively. He hits another Kamagoye, and of course at this point, it's it's too much for Kenny. He can't take this embarrassment of Kota Ibushi's name being used in a mockery, because even despite this, Kenny Omega more than likely has a lot of respect and fear for Kota Ibushi, and the fact that he's still turned to the dark side. Kenny Omega attacks him from behind. The Bucks come in as well. Kazarian tries to make the save, but the offense of the Elite is just too much. Kenny Omega holds up pretty much multiple belts and starts striking them all with them. Until eventually, Eddie Kingston makes the save with a steel chair. And thus it's set up for next week, a six-man tag team match. Eddie Kingston, Buddy Murphy now known as Matt Silver, and Kazarian versus the elites of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Eddie Kingston explains his partnership by saying, hey, Moxley's out on maternity leave at this point. He explains that to Kazarian, I, I barely know you, and I don't even know who you are. Buddy Murphy kind of is essentially pissed because he's still kind of being betrayed as a kept secret. So that kind of upsets him. He's got a little bit of a temper there. But Eddie's like, hey, 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 calm down. I know you now. And what I do know is that we're going to kick these guys's... I'm not going to swear, but you know what I mean. And officially from this point, Eddie Kinks is now part of this elite hunter group. This makeshift team to try and threaten off the elite. And in this story of the six-man tag, it's basically Buddy Murphy, aka Matt Silver, trying to just get his hands on Kenny Omega, but any time that he tries to, Kenny Omega just tags in a member of the Young Bucks. And this keeps happening again and again throughout here, until eventually, the Young Bucks are quickly disposed of as Kenny Omega's in the ring, Eddie Kingston rushes to make the tag to Buddy Murphy, and he hits this Wicked knee strike. Not the Kamagoye. It's very important that he doesn't hit the Kamagoye. And he gets a one, two, three. Kenny kicks out at like three and a half. And Buddy Murphy gets a pin on Kenny Omega. Why? Because people are still going to see Buddy Murphy as a mid-carder. To some extent because he never really had that big main event run. Likewise, if you have him take away... A near 500 plus days of Kenny Omega. It probably isn't 500 because he lost it all out. But by this point, it's over a year of not taking a pinfall loss. And he takes it to a guy like Buddy Murphy. It's just going to make Kenny Omega as a character snap. Which is exactly what we want. Because right after the match, Kenny Omega just assaults Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy now has this man's attention. As... Now Kenny Omega hits V-Trigger after V-Trigger after V-Trigger until he gets a steel chair and hits another V-Trigger again. 
Kenny Omega gets on the microphone saying that, you know what? You you wanted me to face you, Silver? You you know why? I always wanted to face you, Silver. Because I knew you'd be easy. You're a copy of me and Kota Ibushi. You are part of a bygone era. I have ascended from those times. I am a god of pro wrestling. You are nothing but a bad dream. A kept secret that should be kept a secret forever. I knew you were nothing but a joke because deep down, I know that you're always going to be a joke in this business. Silver, nobody has been able to beat me. And now that you have, I want it back. Kenny Omega makes the challenge. He wants... He wants Matt Silver against Kenny Omega for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship at Fighter Fest. It's important not to put it at a big pay-per-view. I want it to be on a special event because that means it's going to get more eyes on Buddy Murphy and this type of match, which I think could be a draw. It's in this. Buddy Murphy is fully prepped for this match. He's he's taking it so seriously. Kenny Omega, he's kind of a little bit more laxed in it. He he thinks he's going to be a challenge, but not a complete challenge. And so, it's set. Kenny Omega versus Buddy Murphy. And during the build, they essentially take out the Young Bucks, or whatever they can, to make sure that during this night, there is no interference from the Bucks Don Callis or anyone. They have made sure by hook or by crook with Eddie Kingston getting rid of Don Callis. Kazarian taking out the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers seeming to be injured for this period of time. That nobody can interfere. And to put it secretly, to put it simply, Buddy Murphy comes out. He's wearing that denim jacket that we saw in the interview from the beginning with all of these X's on and he turns around with this kind of X's and crossed picture of Kenny Omega censored, saying, best kept secret. Saying that he is going to essentially decapitate his entire career. Kenny Omega comes out, and the story of this match is just, who can hit the better knee strike? That is pretty much it. It's very simple, because... I don't think you need something super complicated with this. It's just, who hits harder? And who can beat the living S-word out of each other? You know, with a little bit of subtext with the whole Kota Ibushi stuff. So, it's Bell of Knees. It's them focusing on just who is going to knock someone out first. And the finish of the match is both of them holding onto each other's wrists, going for Kamagoyes. Pretty much just one after the other. So think like the punches like, oh, hey, except it's more vicious than that, where they're down, just both struggling to get to their feet, holding each other by the wrist. Buddy Murphy goes for a shot. Kenny Omega just staggers down. He falls down, but he refuses to let him take him down. He gets back up. He knee strikes Buddy Murphy. He falls down. And he gets back up and he hits another. And it's eventually something where they just both hit each other again and again and again and again. Until they fall down. The referee starts to do essentially like a draw when it seems like neither of them can essentially get up. He goes for a one. He goes for a two. He goes for a three. And he looks like Buddy's about to turn over. But he just can't. And in this moment, Kenny Omega, he finds a way. He turns over. And he puts the cover on Buddy Murphy. One, two, three. Kenny Omega, both of them beat into an inch of their life, successfully defends and retains the AEW World Championship in a match that probably beat both of them senseless. <laughs> I I think that's that's really fun. I think you can get... Buddy Murphy over with that, with this Elite Hunter gimmick. I think AEW hasn't really expanded the potential of it yet. And I think the way to do that is to establish Buddy Murphy 
as that thing. The guy who just wanted to have these excellent matches and show that he was the best wrestler in the world. And seeing this person who inspired his moveset be corrupted and trying to, you know, erase all of that. So eventually he could be highlighted as no longer a secret in AEW or in wrestling in general. Highlight the fact that Buddy Murphy wants to be someone who the world will eventually recognize as someone special. Someone who's worked so hard and has had to fight for so much just to get one opportunity. So much so that he has to fight for all these other lackeys just so that he can shot at a guy who wanted a match with him in the first place. All in an event to show that Buddy Murphy should no longer be known as a best kept secret but a world-renowned superstar. Oh, I was not expecting that episode to run that long. I wasn't expecting Daniel Bryan to take that long to do. Oh, so we have reached the ending of the main section of this podcast, which means there's only one more segment left. And... If you've been a long-time viewer of this and you've gotten through to the end, well, you're in for the weirdest storyline that I can come up with. And it's a little storyline stuff I like to call Fantasy Fumble. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, Fantasy Fumble is essentially me trying to create a storyline in about a couple minutes accompanied by music. And it's always improvised. It's always completely off the top of my head. Sometimes I finish it, sometimes I don't, and it either goes great, bad, or bad. There's a lot of really bad ones, but that that's the fun of it. So, anyways, without further ado, Fantasy Fumble will begin in 3, 2, 1, Fumble! Let the dumpster fire begin! Right, so, uh, Buddy Murphy, yeah, he's a, he's, he's an Australian boy, and guess what, he, he's got a buddy now, that's right, we're living up to the whole buddy nickname, because when he lost his buddy on the name, he replaced it with a real buddy, it's a toy kangaroo named Buddy, so yeah, it's Buddy and Murphy, so every time he walks into the ring, he carries around a toy kangaroo, and he starts hopping with it because he's so happy for his kangaroo. And he starts having matches where he brings the kangaroo into the ring. And where he does a spot where he starts hopping and hopping and hopping. Then footstomp with the kangaroo. Yay! And this this catches the eye of, uh, God. Who, who can he feud with for this? Uh, our truth our truth because he believes that he stole this toy from little Jimmy. And, Buddy Murphy's like, I, I didn't steal this toy from Little Jimmy. Buddy is, Buddy's my friend. What, why would you want to steal him from me? It's like, our truth is like, no, no, that's that's Little Jimmy's toy. It's like, no, this is my my own thing. Don't judge me. I like toys. What are you doing? Our truth steals the toy from Buddy Murphy, and he becomes incensed. Week after week, he starts hitting knee strikes on people. He starts calling out the 24/7 champion, our truth not trying to win the championship, but so that he can get Buddy back. So you have all these segments where Archie is at the airport with Buddy and he, he starts like hopping around with him and Buddy's like, that's my move. And he starts like chasing after him saying, good day, Truth, I'm gonna hit you with a knee. Knee strike. He gets Buddy back and they're in Australia now because of the flight, you know, continuous segments. They're Australia in the land down under. They're Buddy Murphy's at the opera theater because now he appreciates opera now. I don't goddamn know. And as this happens, he's sitting there, he's enjoying it, he's jumping up and down because he's so excited to see the opera. R-Truth steals it from him, he chases after him, and he keeps going and going until eventually, because of time skips and things, R-Truth eventually arrives to roar. Knee strike Buddy Murphy hits it. Hop, 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 he did it. He got his toy back. It's great. Wow, Buddy Murphy did it. He is now the best kept secret anymore. Because the only secret that he had was he loved his freaking kangaroo. His kangaroos are cool. Everyone loves a kangaroo. It's the country of Australia. It's the best. And Buddy Murphy was the best kept secret was that he loves stuffed animals and Larry Steve the pig. Ah! Oh. 
Well, we got, we, well, we got an answer of the best kept secret. Say you like kangaroos. You know what? I, I think WWE could book that. Have we seen WWE storylines with inanimate objects being important? Yes! Is it very stereotypical? Yes! Would that stop WWE? No! Anyways, that is... We, we have reached the end. Whatever that was. Honestly, I think this might be one of my favorite episodes that I've done. Like, I, I wasn't expecting this episode to be as good as it was in my mind. I, I adore the Daniel Bryan storyline so much. Like, looking at it, I'm thinking, well, this is, this is not, this is really good. It's very long, but it's really good. I, I like the idea of tying it into 205 Live. I, I like the Kenny stuff. Even the fantasy fumble kind of made sense in a very goofy way. I, I'm taking that as a win. I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm not gonna give myself a round of applause because I'm tired. But I'm. I'm giving it. Yay me! I did it. <laughs> I don't know if I should be proud of it, but I did it. <laughs> Anyways, we have reached the end, as I've already stated. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends. Share it with your friendliest friends. If you're listening on whatever podcasting platform. I'm just going to put it back here because it's at the end of the episode. Feel free to subscribe or to share it with your friends. Share it with your friendliest friends because that helps more than you could ever imagine. Like just getting it noticed and put out to people. I I am so proud of this episode and I would be so happy to see this spread around. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or a podcasting platform that provides reviews, I would be so honored if you have a spare minute of your time just to provide a review it it only helps spread the word of this podcast to more and more people which is something that i would be so grateful for feel free to share your thoughts on this episode by adding me at connor the cooper on twitter or by following me on instagram at wrestling with fiction i would love to hear your thoughts on this and With that, I'm going to end the episode here. So I want to thank every single one of you for listening. And I hope all of you have a lovely day, wherever you're from. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.